Lucy Corrie is with us, a World Cup veteran. She was at the last one in France. That's an entertaining story in itself. But more saliently, Lucy is an award-winning food writer, author most recently of Home Cooked, Seasonal Recipes for Every Day. And she's also RNZ's uh, uh, executive editor. having trouble saying it, the title was so august, RNZ's executive editor, Lifestyle and Entertainment, Morena Lucy. Morena, Jim. Thank you for that wonderful intro. It made it sound a little bit like I was playing at the the 2007 Rugby World Cup. Yeah, well, Um, you know, leave people wondering. Which, (laughs) yes, less. (laughs) You are always in the kitchen at parties. I've seen you say that. So did you manage to watch either much of the election or of the absolutely thrilling game this morning? I did watch a little bit of the election coverage last night, um, but I didn't stay up all night until the final uh, denouement. And I, at the risk of sounding like a bad New Zealander, I took advantage of the fact that most other people would be watching the rugby, the All Blacks this morning, and uh, went to the market to um, on Wellington's waterfront to. Um, to buy eggs and vegetables because there is a fantastic egg stall down there and they always have a massive queue. And I thought, ha-ha, this morning, everyone else will be watching the rugby. And when I got there, there was still about 30, there were about 30 people in the queue. And when I eventually got to the front, and luckily they still had some eggs left, I said to the guy, um, oh, I thought everyone else would be watching the rugby. And he said, nah, eggs are more important than the All Blacks. Eggs are more important than the All Blacks. That's interesting. I did see I did see the final uh, the final ten minutes, which um, so I got some of that nail biting adrenaline. Yeah, I mean, whether you love rugby or not, and not not everybody does, that was nail biting adrenaline. It was, wasn't it? It was, oh. you know, you watched the good part of the um, rugby, and in fact, you could have afforded to go to bed reasonably early uh, on election night because the results stayed much the same. The projection stayed much yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it was fairly clear which way it was going to go by the time I went to bed. Um, so I thought I would, you know, gain a, a few hours of sleep instead of um, sitting up. How to please to the bitter end? How to please everyone this morning? How to cater for all moods? How to find a dish that you know caters for a sweet feeling, but also allows for the inevitable bitter taste in the mouth for some? I mean, a dish that can embrace both triumph and disaster. It's a very tall order, but you are the cook who can rise to the uh, occasion. It, the occasion. It is a it is a tall order, and I thought your um, your question about whether or not people are hungrier in victory than in defeat um, would be a great thesis topic for somebody. A PhD, mm. even. I, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, something to, uh, an idea to tuck away. Um, it is a very tall order. And I did see at the final of the rugby, they crossed to some bar, I think, in Mount Monganui, where there were people doing lots of celebrating of a liquid variety. And um, one guy was apologising in advance to his boss and to his wife because he didn't think he would be up to much tomorrow. Because <laughs> he was going to celebrate so much today, um, I don't have quite such an alcoholic recipe in mind. But I have, um, and it might be a bit late for brunch. But I thought, you know, there's another final, another, obviously the semi-final next weekend. So um, good people thinking. can always tuck this recipe away for then. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it's one I've never heard of. But then I'm not a culinary expert. What is it? So, it's a recipe um, for individual um, Dutch babies. Now, it's not as macabre as it might sound. Mm. A Dutch baby is a 
It's also known as a German pancake. And it's essentially a pancakey sort of batter. But, you know, making pancakes for people is the sort of thing that sounds good. But in actual reality, it's quite tedious. And if you're the one making them, you have to stand at the stove for ages cooking okay. pancakes for everybody else. <laughs> and by the time you're finished, you smell like pancakes. You know, everyone yeah. else is kind of in a pancake haze and you're feeling quite hungry and um dispirited by the whole affair. Well, that's how I feel about making pancakes anyway. So, but Dutch babies, you um, make this pancake batter and then you throw it in the oven. Um, or not throw it, you gently place it in the oven. And um, traditionally they're made in a big cast iron frying pan or a heavy, really heavy pan that you can put in the oven and you make one Dutch baby and it does this fantastic magic trick in the oven where it um, inflates dramatically. A little bit like a Yorkshire pudding, I suppose. Okay. And then um, you serve it and it's got, it has this crisp outer shell and a slightly custardy base. Yeah. Um, but I make individual ones, which so if you don't have a pan that can go in the oven, you can make them in a ordinary standard twelve cup muffin tin. Can you um, make um, them? Can you make them sweet or savoury? I presume we're posting this um, beginning to be fantastic sounding recipe on our website. But can you use? Can you end up with a savoury or sweet result? Yeah. So the basic batter you make is. Um, I was going to say is unisex. That's not quite what I meant. <laughs> it is uh, neutral. Right. Um, it has a little bit of a little bit of sugar in it, but it's not very sweet. Um, and then, but the accompaniments you put with it can be sweet or savoury. So, um, and I will I'll just as soon as I finish writing this up, I'll put it. Um, we can put it on the website. It um, so when they're out of the oven, you've got this nice crisp and. A mixture of textures with the with the Dutch baby, and then so I like to serve them with, you know, a nice big blob of Greek yogurt and some fruit. Um, maybe my actual find in the fruit, uh, if you want uh, fruit that is slightly more exotic than apples and oranges that are available at the moment, is um, Watties tinned boysenberries, um, oh. a great marvel through some yogurt, and you put a big scoop of that in. Uh, beside your Dutch baby, and then you've got the mix of sweet and crisp uh, and creamy. Or the other thing to do with them is to make some whipped feta, which um, sounds more like hard work than it is. Um, and so you've got that as the creamy, salty component, and then you make a little spiky kind of salsa with uh, diced red apple, red onion, uh, a little bit of coriander, some capers, some chilli. So you've got, you know, sweets. Um, bitter, salty and sour in there um, and a bit of lemon juice and sprinkle that over the top so then you've got um, all those little kind of what I call spiky flavours um, against the saltiness of the feta and then the, um, the crispness of the pancake. Brilliant. And you don't have to stand over the stove. You just pop them in the oven and they're sort of small and personalised. the oven. And they are. They are. I mean, you can make it in a, in a um, big frying pan, but this makes it um, more portionable, if you like. And the other thing too is that you can make the batter in advance, like you can make the batter the day before even, pop it in the, in the fridge, and in the, in the morning all you have to do is turn the oven on, turn the oven on and put the muffin tin in the oven, let it heat up until the oven's at temperature and the muffin tin will be scorching hot. Then you uh, grease all the holes of the muffin tin, pour in the mixture and um, kind of put it in the oven for 15 minutes and they're ready. 
nice and quick, easy. and nice and quick when watching the next All Blacks game, as you suggested. All right, even if you don't do it today, mm-hmm. fantastic. Thank you for that. Look, in the time we've got left. How to know when chicken is cooked. I came across this and I was quite shocked by this in New Scientist and I thought people might be interested. You know, the chicken flesh is white, juice is running freely, chicken is cooked. Not so fast. What did you make of this? Can you explain? We've only got two minutes, but can you explain what the test team did briefly and whether we should take notice of this? Well, this was fascinating and I think um, I... I think most people have had a, a chicken disaster. I had one recently, embarrassingly, where I'd accidentally bought a chicken uh, that was, I didn't realise it was a cook-in-the-bag chicken, um, which I'd never buy normally, and put it in the oven and followed the cooking instructions, pulled it out, sliced it up and thought, it, and, you know, a whole lot of blood poured out of the chicken, and yeah. it was half raw. Um, so I obviously hadn't followed the instructions quite as well as I thought. So we had salad and potatoes for dinner and uh, <laughs> incinerated the chicken basically so we could eat it the next day. Um, so in this test they discovered that the bacteria, that Salmonella and Campylobacter, two of the biggest um, nasties for foodborne illness, are found on the inside of chicken meat. And that's why chicken has to be cooked through um, unlike beef which can be um, you know, rare in the middle. So what these researchers did was they injected chicken breast fillets with salmonella and campylobacter and cooked the fillets between two grill plates until the core temperatures were between 50 and 70 degrees. Now, according to WHO guidelines, chicken should be cooked to 70 degrees in order to be safe. But, um, you know, the general, uh, I think the rule of thumb a lot of people use within cooking chicken is that it should be, it should have changed colour and the juices will be clear. Now, this team, though, however, found that um, most of that colour change happened at about 55 degrees, yeah. so that's well below 70, and the clear juices can't be relied on either because even at 50 degrees, the colour of the fluid was too pale for them to detect. That's, so yes. you might think, well, just use a kitchen thermometer, but um, that's not perfect either. Yeah, I was reading that. Thank you for explaining that, and people can read the full story on New Scientist. It's tricky. The safest ways to cook chicken are to braise it in a sauce or poached in water. But, I mean, a lot of people don't like boiled chicken. You don't... I mean, KBC isn't a thing, is it? That's the thing. <laughs> i got to go. No, no, uh, but... <laughs> love your recipe. No, not yet, but maybe it could be. 